there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. This morning, I want to talk to you about attitude and attitude adjustments. I mentioned this. I said to someone, uh, I'm going to talk about you <laughs> tomorrow. She went, oh, God, now what? What is it called? It's called attitude adjustment. And she hadn't a clue what I was talking about. When I was in high school, I remember being called into the office. I got in trouble a lot in high school. Trouble behavioral problems. I didn't behave properly, just like now, I guess. <laughs> you know, I would say things to people right to their face, and they didn't like them. You know, I didn't go out of my way to be unkind. I would rather, much rather be funny and joke with somebody than tell them something that they didn't want to hear. But if I was pressed, I would tell somebody. If a teacher asked me a question and asked me what I thought about something, I would tell them. And, you know, teachers can be proud with students. They don't really like students to see things or say things that they don't want said or seen. And if you have the uncanny, unfortunate knack of being able to see things that many people can't see or don't see for whatever reason, it can be tough. It can be tough for a kid. It can be tough for an adult dealing with a kid like that. I had what they said was a bad attitude, but, you know, I was just so clueless about what an attitude was. It's like, well, well, what does that mean? You know, I could understand if my hair was bad or I didn't wear a tie or my shoes weren't shined or I didn't meet the dress code or I was late or, you know, something like that. But an attitude, I, I just couldn't get it. It was like, what is an attitude? And even now, you know, you can look at someone and you can say, well, that person has a bad attitude or, well, there's, there's an attitude. But you don't really say what it is. It's not like it's something that's definable, easily definable, when we talk about it. So I didn't really know what it meant. Well, because I couldn't understand what an attitude was, I didn't have any way of seeing my own. Now, if someone had pointed out and said, no, see that person there, that's an attitude. Well, what exactly do you mean? Well, they walk around like they have a chip on their shoulder. Or see that girl over there, she has an attitude. She thinks that she's the prettiest girl in the school. And it's like, okay, well, I can see that. But that guy over there, he has an attitude. What's his attitude? His attitude is that he's, he doesn't want to be here and it's an awful place and he's depressed and like that. So if I could see, you know, if someone had pointed those things out to me and said, that's an attitude. It stood me in front of a mirror and said, the way you're looking there, that's an attitude. Or the way you're standing, that's an attitude. But nobody did that. And so I, did, I couldn't see what an attitude was. And while having no way of seeing an attitude, I had no way of changing my attitude. You can't change what you can't see. It'd be like trying to catch a ball you couldn't see. Have you ever seen people at a baseball game, they'll try and catch a ball and the sun shines in their eyes and they can't see it and then they can't catch the ball. It's just, just luck then. You might catch it, you might not catch it. If, if you were in the right place and you had your glove in the right spot and the trajectory was just right before you went blind, then the ball will land in your glove. But otherwise, you don't have a chance. And so it was like that. Attitudes are invisible to us because we're a jumble of attitudes that we live with. And when we live with something, we just take it for granted. We take ourselves for granted. We simply just take ourselves for granted. We think that we're fine the way we are until something happens or someone comes along and it shows us and proves to us that it's not fine. 
It's like sitting there now. You're fine sitting there now. Until you get uncomfortable, you get a cramp, or you feel like you need to move. And then the pain tells you it's time to move, and so you move. But you take it all for granted the whole time you're sitting there, until something happens and you're uncomfortable, and then you do something. So we say things like, well, it's not my attitude, it's just the way I am. And see, that's exactly it, isn't it? It's not, look, it's not my attitude, it's just the way I am. I can't tell you how many people say that to me. Well, look, it's just the way I am. Yes, that's what I'm saying, it's just the way you are. But you're not always like that. So then some other way is just the way you are, and some other way is just the way you are. So who are you actually? Well, I'm all of those things. Well, no, not really. You're a bunch of different eyes with a bunch of different attitudes, and you're not any one of those. Our attitude, or our jumble of attitudes, become our identity. It's who we think we are. It's not my attitude, it's who I am. And we become, our identity goes into these attitudes. Attitudes prevent us from working. This is the horrible thing about attitudes. So it doesn't mean a thing in the world. If you don't want to work, it's fine. Have all the attitudes you want. There are people who love attitude. They'll go out of their way to try and build attitude into you. But if you wish to develop, Attitudes prevent you from developing. They prevent you from working. This becomes a huge problem in this work of self-development. And it's a problem we don't even see because we don't see the attitudes. A big shock is that we don't see things as they are. We just imagine we do. One of the biggest shocks that you can realize is that you don't know the person you're living with. It's a huge shock. Do you remember the first time you realized, oh my God, who did I marry? All of a sudden you realize, I think I made a mistake. It's true. I mean, one day you just think, oh my God, I think I made a mistake. I really don't know this person. And then it's smoothed over and everything's fine and you go on till the next time you realize that you think you made a mistake. And what does that really mean? It doesn't mean you made a mistake. It means you didn't see all that was there. That's what it means. And the older you get and the more relationships you're in and the more people you see and the more you see about yourself, the more reticent you are to enter relationships <laughs> because you don't know what you're getting into. It's a minefield. You have no idea what's there. None at all. You think, oh, this person seems fine. Yeah, they seem fine now. But what happens when they're not fine? And what about you? Yeah, you're fine now when everything's going your way. But what happens when things aren't going your way? Well, you can be really nasty. Oh, but no, it's, it's not my fault. Well, I don't care whether it's your fault or not. You can be really nasty. Whether something else is making you nasty, or it was the planets, or it was what somebody else did, or it was the sun didn't shine in the right place, or it rained. Who cares what it was? The truth is, you can be unpleasant. You have unpleasant manifestations, and you have them all justified. Well, but, 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 but it wasn't my fault. It's because of this. It's because of that. Well, then fine. Then you'll just stay unpleasant. Well, it's not so bad. It only happens here and there. Right. But if you want to develop, it's got to go. The shock only comes through proper self-observation, something that doesn't come naturally to us. We don't naturally observe ourselves. We naturally see ourselves, but we see ourselves through our pictures. And naturally, how we see ourselves is how we've been trained to see ourselves, how other people have seen us, what other people have told us is there. If we could see things as they are, everything would be different for us. If you could see people as they are, everything would be different. If you could see the person that you married before you married that person, chances are you wouldn't have married that person. If you could have seen yourself, who you really were, before you married someone, chances are you wouldn't have married someone because you would have known you weren't ready. You would have known that you did not have what it took. But in life, sometimes the job makes the man. You do something, you do it unconsciously, you're in it, and now you've got to work through it. We make some bad choices, and we make bad choices because we don't see things the way they really are. And if we could see things the way they really are, we could make more informed choices, and life would be different.
in every way. That's all that I'm saying. Seeing things is nothing more than taking in impressions. That's all that seeing things is. Seeing things is just taking in impressions. The problem that we have with impressions is not the impressions, but it's where they fall inside of us. We don't have a problem taking in impressions. We take in impressions. The problem is we take them in unconsciously and they just fall on places in us that we have not sent them. They have been directed by old associations. They've been directed by something that is not conscious. They just followed a course, a line of least resistance. It's not what happens to you in life that matters, but how you take what happens to you. This is really another way of saying how we deal with impressions. It's not what happens to you in life. An impression is something that happens to you in life. Now, you can look at it two ways. You can look at it like it just happened, or you can look at it like I attracted this, my being attracted this. If you look at it like it just happened, you're the victim. If you look at it like my being attracted this, that's taking the impression in an entirely different way. It's taking the impression in more consciously. Can you see the difference? It's not something we can do very often, but it is something that's possible to do once in a while, if you have the consciousness to do it. Unfortunately for us, impressions fall on a spider web of associations that prevent us from seeing the essential meaning of things. We don't see the essential meaning of a human being when we look at them. What we see is whatever the associations, the spider web of associations, do with the impressions when we see somebody. I'll give you some examples of this a little bit later. Because of this, we never see anyone or anything. We're not really seeing anyone or anything. If you're not seeing it the way it is, then you're not really seeing it, are you? And so that's what I'm saying. I'm saying because of this, we never see anyone or anything. We take in impressions, but we don't take them in properly. And we don't take them in fully. And where we allow them to fall on us, where they fall on us automatically through all of this spider web of associations, it's just the same old thing over and over again. We never know who or what is there. These associations are written, they're recorded, they're carved into the little negative parts of centers in us. Your moving center, your intellectual center, your emotional center. The moving parts of those centers, the little negative parts of centers is what catches impression. I was on the phone last night and I was talking to someone and they said, everybody here, they all work on farms and they all live this good, healthy, rural life and they all have cancer. I can't believe how much cancer there is here. I said, well, first of all, are they working on organic farms? No. Well, then they're working in cesspools of poison. Their land is poisoned. Their air is poisoned. Their clothes are poisoned. Everything is poisoned all around them. Their water is poisoned. They are poisoning the earth. They're spraying gallons and gallons of toxic chemicals on things to kill bugs so that they can get a harvest. You can't do that and not be affected by it. Of course they have cancer. Anyway, this person was going through the whole litany of negative things. I said, you're like a broadcasting station of negativity. W-N-E-G, you know? Weenag. <laughs> you just can't seem to say anything that's not negative. Well, there you go again. There's my bad habit of telling somebody something that they're doing that they don't want to hear about. She stopped dead in her tracks and she laughed and she said, you're right. And then she went back to being negative. Because it's automatic, because the impressions fall on old associations, because they go to these negative places and then we react negatively. And we don't know we're reacting negatively. We just don't know it. Esoteric ideas tell us we must work on negative associations because they trigger negative parts of us that shut off all contact with and influence from anything higher. If you're going to develop, if you're going to raise your level of being, you must get in touch with something higher. Now, it seems like something lower could get underneath you and push you up, but that's not how it happens. Something lower always acts like quicksand and pulls you down. 
The only way out of this quicksand is to catch the rope of something higher and to start to pull ourselves up out of it. And you have to start to pull yourself out of it. It does not pull you up automatically. You must make effort. There will be effort made in the higher parts as well. But that's being given to you all the time. But you're wasting it because you're out of contact with higher parts. You're out of contact with higher centers. And you're out of contact with higher centers because of all of these negative emotions and negative reactions and negative associations. It's exactly what the work says. We've got to work on negative associations because they trigger negative parts of us that shut off all contact with and influence from anything higher. Do you know how your heart works? Your heart has valves and little chambers. And when one valve closes, another valve opens. And this is how things can happen in the heart and how blood can pass through and how it can be separated because your blood is separated. And some is sent one way and some is sent another way. The blood that's done its job in the body is sent one way. And the blood that has been oxygenated and it's going to do its job in another part of the body or in a part of the body goes another way. So there are valves, little valves that operate in this pump that send the blood, direct the blood to different ways. Well, we're like that. We have like these little valves. Well, when the negative parts are working, that valve shuts off anything to higher parts. So the influence that could come from higher is shut off. Just like a valve in the heart shuts off the flow of blood in a certain area. Do you understand? It's literally a mechanical process. Literally a mechanical process in our psychology. And we need to understand that as such. And this is why Gurdjieff's idea of us being machines was so brilliant. Because it really is a mechanical process. We really are machines. It really is unconscious and mechanical. Just the same way that what is happening in your heart right now, this very moment as it beats, is unconscious and mechanical. It doesn't mean it's unintelligent. It doesn't mean it's stupid. It doesn't mean it's not working properly. It's working exactly right. When you're in negative parts of centers, you should be cut off from higher parts. That's how it's supposed to be. It's not a mistake. So that's why we have to work on the negative parts so that we don't send impressions there, so that they can be put in order. Now, for living ordinarily in this life, this isn't important. Nobody needs to do this. It's only when we wish to develop beyond what life requires of us that we run into problems and have to find new ways of doing things. And so when Pat says, you know, my life is ruined. Yes, your life is ruined. You have to find new ways of doing things because the old ways aren't working anymore. You have seen too much. You've become aware of too much. And you cannot be happy now. Ignorance was bliss, but now you know. And now you can't be happy anymore. You can't unknow now. Some things you will forget. Some things you will be able to bury. But some things you'll never be able to bury again. Some things when you actually see them for yourself, you know they're there and that's it. There's no going back. Your life is ruined. You have to find new ways. The horrible truth is we can't look at anything without associations. It's just the way we are now. If we could, we'd go insane instantly. Just think about it for a moment. Let's say, just for a moment, that you could look at your hand without any associations. You would not know what it was. You could not associate your hand with yourself, with the room, with nothing. You have no associations. Everything would be whatever it is, and you would have no associations. You would be like an infant that knows nothing. And I promise you, if that were to happen to you right now, it would be terrifying. Terrifying beyond belief. You may be frightened to death. We associate one thing with another. This makes up our reality. Our reality is associating one thing with another. So what we have to do is we have to work on these associations. And the only way to work on these associations is to see them. But we don't see them because they're attitudes. As we are, almost all of our associations are negative. Now, there's almost always an objection to this. Well, wait, wait a second. No, no, that's not true. I'm not negative. Yeah, you are. Almost all your associations are negative. Yeah, you are. If you look outside 
at the weather and it's a beautiful day, you can find something wrong with it. If you get up in the morning and you're alive, you can find something wrong with it. One of the things Pat was saying is like, well, one of the things about being a loser for her was that it's rebellion. She gets something as a gift and she wants to do what she wants to do with it. She doesn't like the responsibility of having, having been a gift or whatever. Pardon? Wasn't content with it. Yeah, not happy with it, not content with it. It's not good enough for me or whatever. And so it's all pride and vanity, thinking more of ourselves than we need to think of ourselves. It's all crazy, but nonetheless, there it is. But it's possible to perceive nothing negatively. It's possible. Now, it's not an ordinary state, but it can happen. Can it happen very often? Well, probably not. But it can happen, which tells us one thing. It tells us that it's possible. It tells us that it's something we can move toward. It tells us it's a direction that we can grow into. That's what it tells us. You may not be able to do it totally and completely, but you can do it more. And if you can do it more, then you can do it more. And you can do the other less. How to get free of this sticky web of negative associations that keep us glued to the repetitive wheel of life events? That's really our question. How do we get free of this? And it really is like a sticky spider web. And life is a wheel. It just keeps happening over and over again. Every day comes, it's the next day, it's the next day, it's the next week, it's the next month, it's the next year. You know, people are born, people die, people get sick, people get old, people get healthy, people get this, people get that, people go to work, people come home. It just goes on and on and on. Look at the world. You're going to be gone, and it's going to keep on going just the way it has. They'll keep having wars, people will keep being born, people keep getting married, people keep getting divorced, people keep killing each other, people keep dying of diseases, and after this disease is cured, there'll be another one, and after that disease is cured, there'll be another one, and after this virus is taken care of, there'll be another one, and it's going to go on and on and on. It's a repetitive wheel. We must put something between sense impressions and external life and the way we take those sense impressions. That's what this work teaches. That's what all esoteric teachings say. Not just once, but again and again. It's like self-observation. You can't do it just once. You must do it continually. It must become the process of life for you. This is the practical application of the transformation of impressions. You hear about the transformation of impressions. This is the practical application of it. It means putting something between the sense impressions. You know what a sense impression is. An impression that comes to you through the five senses, through any of the five senses, or all of the five senses, or any combination of them. If no consciousness intervenes between that sense impression and where it falls on you internally, this is called esoteric sleep. This is what it means to be asleep. It means to have no consciousness intervening between the impressions coming in and where they fall in us. I will give you, as I said, examples of how we do this. We remain nothing but machines moved through life by these sense impressions that come into us unchallenged and make us react mechanically. Oh, well, I don't react mechanically. Oh, yes, you do. Yes, you do. And you do in so many thousands of ways in a day, and you take it all for granted. You think that you're doing it, and you're not. It's the machine doing it, not you. Just like you think your heart is beating, but the machine is beating your heart, not you. It takes none of your consciousness. You can be unconscious and your heart is still beating. All this is made possible through attitudes. All this that the machine does is all made possible through attitudes, because attitudes prevent us from working, they prevent us from transforming impressions, becoming free from the machine in which we're trapped. It's attitudes that keep us from becoming free. And so it's important that we find out what they are. So we're full of acquired attitudes from early childhood. We learn them, we pick them up all around us. 
from teachers, from parents, from children, from other kids, from brothers and sisters. Our upbringing is little more than an infusion of attitudes that we collect from life and those around us. It's just like a blood transfusion. It's just like infused into us. Being invisible to us, they're free to operate with impunity, moving us about like pieces on a chessboard in a losing game. We need an attitude adjustment. Attitudes work without thought. This is what you need to understand about attitudes. They work without thought. An attitude is something that makes you react without thinking. I had this girlfriend in Los Angeles. She was an actress. And she had an uncle. It wasn't really her uncle. She called him her uncle. And he was a really good friend of the family. and was really rich. She was one of his favorites. But she hadn't seen him in years. And so we were having dinner with him one night. We were out at this restaurant, and I took off my hat, and I put it down on the table, and I put it on the table the wrong way. Well, I didn't know how to put a hat on a table the right way. No one had ever taught me, so I didn't know. So I put the hat on the table the wrong way. Well, first of all, I don't think you should really put a hat on a table, but, I mean, that's now. But then, I was young, I didn't know much, and, you know, I was just out there finding out about life. And I thought I was going to meet this uncle. I didn't have any idea that I was going to get a lesson on how to put a hat on a table. Well... I put the hat on the table the wrong way, as I said. He reacted negatively, and he never got off it the whole night. Everything that I did after that, he reacted negatively to. And his negative reaction was just to see me as a coarse, ignorant, callous bumpkin. And he never could see anything else. He would never find out what I did for a living. He would never find out where I went to school. He would never find out what kind of a person I was. He would never find out anything because of his attitude because he mechanically, automatically had this thing. If somebody puts their hat on the table like that, they're really ignorant. And that was it. There was no way out for me. Because I'm never going to see the guy again. And that was it. So it's like that. It's like Morris Nickel gives an example of somebody putting their elbows on the table at a dinner. You know, there are some people, if you put your elbows on the table, that's it for them. They look at you like, what a pig. And they have no control over that because it's an attitude. Do you see it? You see that there are certain things you look at people. You, you, you raised kids. Your kid would come home with a friend. You would look at the friend and instantaneously an attitude would judge that friend. How many times have you done that? Every time. And there it is. Every time. And that's who we are. We are just this spider web of attitudes, associations. And that's what attitudes are. There are all these associations that have been laid down that are there. The impressions come in and they don't meet with any consciousness. They meet with nothing. They just come straight in. And they fall right on those places. And it's just like, have you ever seen those machines in factories where they'll have all these like jelly beans or whatever come down, you know, candies or whatever. And then they're all just put into little chutes and little bags. And then the bags are all sealed. And then they're all put on a conveyor belt. And it's just like that. We're just like a factory. And the impressions are just like those little beads falling down. And they go, all of them, to the right place, exactly. With, and they're counted perfectly, every single one. They actually have machines that will decide what color goes where and how many colors go here in each bag. It's all designed that way. And we are more complex than that machine, much more complex. We are an entire factory full of those machines that sort and direct and react to. And that is what we need to bring consciousness to. And if that doesn't seem overwhelming to you, then you're not hearing me. Because it is overwhelming. And that's why we have to work with one thing at a time. Or a couple things at a time. Because to do it all is just too much. You'll quit. You'll give up. Because it's so difficult. But you can get help. I still remember that guy. I can't remember his name. But I just remember... can't really remember him that much. But well, I remember that look on his face. That look of just disgust. 
because I put my hat on the table. Incidentally, for those of you who are wondering, I put my hat on the table the hole down. And you should put it the hole up if you're going to put it down. The reason being that because you've had it on your head, you wouldn't put your head on the table, so like that. And I'm sure it goes back to when people had lice and like that and a bunch of other things. But, you know, but still, he was an elderly guy and he had these attitudes that he acquired in life and he could not get free of them. It's kind of a sad story for me because I never got to know him either. You know, his attitude didn't only prevent him from ever knowing me, it prevented me from ever making any contact with him. His acquired attitude caused him to judge me, but it caused him to judge me partially. And do you remember one of the things in esoteric writings says is, don't judge. And if you do judge, don't judge partial judgment. What that means is don't judge a person just by whatever eyes you see now. It means judge wholly, completely. Take more into consideration. Take all of them into consideration, not just that part, if you have to judge. If there was anything more to me, he was never going to find out what it was, and he never did find out. He needed an attitude adjustment. I got one. That was the difference between us. In that whole interaction, I'm talking to you about this now because it adjusted my attitude. I understood something, and I changed something in me. And now, if somebody puts a hat down on the table, or if I put a hat down on the table, I promise you I'm conscious about it. And I've been like that for years. It's just like when I open and close a door. I do it consciously. And why I do it consciously is because I practiced it and practiced it and practiced it until it became a conscious association, a conscious act, a conscious habit. You can make conscious habits. They don't all have to be unconscious, you know. You can let the machine work for you. It doesn't always have to work against you, you know. If we wish to develop, we must think and think in a new way. Ospensky said, attitudes never think. They don't. They just react. When that kid walked in the door and you saw him, you didn't think. You reacted. He's not going out with my daughter. Now, because you have people in your life who call you on it, because you have a group that is around you and can say to you, wait a second, they're taking another look at that. You can actually go and talk to the kid and get to know him a little bit and find out, oh, I guess I was wrong. Seems like a really good kid. And of course, you're wrong then, too, because there's no such thing as a really good kid. There's no such thing as a really good anything. We're all a mixed bag. Attitudes begin in the intellectual center, and they work by themselves automatically. So it's there that they must be adjusted, in the intellectual center. Our condition is such that our intellectual center is really nothing more than fixed attitudes, and they're almost always negative leaving the intellectual center incapable of being used for individual thinking. Well, there's no thinking is going to go on in an intellectual center that's run by attitudes and old associations. There's no need. Just like there's no need for somebody to be overseeing this machine that's counting these jelly beans and sorting them and putting them in the bags and sealing the bags and boxing them and, and so on and so forth. There's no need. Somebody can come by once in a while, take a look, yeah, everything's working fine, and just go on. And that's exactly how we are. We look, we go, everything's just fine, we go on. Just like you're sitting in your chair, everything's just fine, there's no reason to move. It's only when you get a cramp or this happens or that happens, then there's a reason to move. You always know when someone is talking from attitudes. You can't wait to get away. You start to yawn, you become bored, because you know that he's not thinking from himself. You know you could read this in the newspaper, you know you could hear this anywhere, you know you've heard it all before from them. It was just like the phone call that I got last night and I started hearing about all the people with cancer. Yeah, 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 yeah. The whole world's dying of cancer. Now what? What's new? How many people do you know like that? Try yourself. Just start off with yourself. That's the way you are. You realize suddenly that you're listening to a parrot. You know, my dad was this way. My dad would read a book and then all he could talk about was whatever he read in that book. It was like my dad was the last book he read. And, you know, some people say, well, that's not so bad if you're reading the right books. Well, that's true in and of itself. But it's still unconscious. And to be consciously bad is better than to be unconsciously wonderful. 
because consciousness is the goal. And the truth is you can't really be consciously bad without wanting to change it. I should say that. Because you are, you can become aware of your badness. You can become aware of it. You can become conscious of it, but you want to change it. You don't want it to just stay the same. You're not willing to just have it stay the same because that's what consciousness does. Consciousness leads toward light and goodness because consciousness is light. A person full of attitudes is impossible to talk to. Forget about it. It's pointless because you can never free such a person's thinking from the acquired attitudes. It was impossible to talk to that guy about the hat, about anything else that I said. It was impossible because everything that I said from that moment on was discounted because he already knew what kind of a person I was, because he'd already made his judgment, because the attitude had already reacted and it was all set. And he wasn't going to have anything to do with a guy like me. When the intellectual center is constipated with acquired attitudes, it's made powerless. He might think an enema is necessary, but I'll just say an attitude adjustment is necessary. It's the same thing. It needs to be cleaned out. Unfortunately, there's not a wrench or a hammer or a baseball bat big enough to make the adjustment from the outside. It's an inside job. It's something you have to do. It can't be done from out here. This is self-development. This horrible situation has a remedy, though. It's not easy, and initially, it's not pleasant either. We've got to try to observe our attitudes. They must become visible to us. We've got to begin to try to observe what our attitudes are. Gratefully, they're almost always negative. Well, why would I say gratefully they're almost always negative? Because this will give us our first clue of where to start. If you're negative, it's an attitude. Instead of seeing the I or this or that about why you're negative, look for the attitude. Look for the underlying attitude. What is this attitude? What is this spider web of associations? How did this happen? How did I get negative about this? What attitude made this possible? So start to observe your attitudes. There are times when I have to tell you, I'm in a bad mood. What that means is, I got a bad attitude. There are bad associations working in me right now, and I'm out of control. So until I can get a hold of this, until I can get a handle on this, this is what I'm doing. I'm in a bad mood. And that's my way of saying, I've got a bad attitude right now. And I'm working on it. And first thing is to acknowledge it. I got a bad attitude. I, I'm in a bad mood. I came in this morning and it's like, my stomach's upset and I'm stressed and full of anxiety and and I can feel it affecting everything. It's just affecting everything. And I know exactly what it is. The attitude is this. I have to know how everything's going to work out in advance or else I can't be happy. That's the attitude. I have to know. It's the I have to know attitude. I can't do anything by faith. I have to know everything. There can't be a higher power that's in charge of anything. I have to know. I have to be told everything. I have to know everything in advance. That's the attitude. I hate to say it because I'm so enlightened and I'm so far advanced and I shouldn't be in that. But the truth is, is that's where I'm at and I have to tell the truth about it because that's what self-observation is about. Like, I'll be enlightened later. But right now, this is my enlightenment. Right now, my enlightenment is seeing this and being powerless over this but having the desire to continue to see it, to continue to look at it again and again and again, to examine it, and to bring up work ideas to meet these insane ideas, these insane thoughts that are running in me right now because of some impressions that, felt, that got in and they, before I knew it, they were just the whole house was on fire. Oh, I was just insane. Bam, it just happened. And that's the way it is. It just happens. Now we need to try to observe those attitudes. When you discover you're negative, begin to look for the attitude that made you negative. Look at the tracks it left in the intellectual center, because it left tracks, and the tracks were the absence of thought. It just happened, bam, 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 bam. There was no thought involved. You didn't think it through. The only way to stop it is to start thinking. Actually begin to direct your thoughts at the thoughts that have run this way or that way, at 
the old associations and where they've gone. You have to direct your thoughts to the small negative parts of centers. You've got to direct your thoughts there and you've got to pull out the stuff that went in there and you've got to examine it and look at it and sort it out. And you've got to tell the truth about it. And the truth is the higher ideas. You've got to make contact with something higher and bring it to those places because that's the only thing that's going to bring light and order. And that's the only thing that's going to bring peace to you internally. Bring the attitude to the light of consciousness. Bring the light of consciousness to the attitude to the small center, wherever it is. Look at it for what it is. Don't judge it. Look at it for what it is and tell the truth about it. And the truth about it is the higher truth. And you know those ideas. Use them. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work, and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at solidrockvista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.